what I'm going to do this morning is is uh, cover some stuff that I covered in the giving sermon. I'm going to I'm going to sink down some uh, roots a little a little deeper, and go a little slower. I had one of you uh, come up afterwards and say, "Now explain that to me again." That that's good. I appreciate that very much because that tells me okay, we could spend some more time here. And it does. It's so different than most of what we've grown up around that I think it's really worth some uh, really uh, some some stopping and and dwelling on. So. <clears throat> Uh, what I'm going to what I'm going to discuss really is 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 really based on the reality of us being creatures. So we are made. We're made in God's image, but we're made, and as such, we cannot help but be creatures. But there's this problem. We have this problem that uh, we like to think we're not creatures, right? So you've all seen this with your uh, children, haven't you? They are children. Uh, but they have this problem. They want to act as though they're adults and make their own choices, right? Um, and without limits. They don't want the limits that you put on them. Uh, and you say, well, I understand these limits are in your best interest. Well, I don't share your perspective. So I want all the fruit snacks I can eat. And I'll, wor- I'll worry about the emergency room and having my stomach pumped later. You know, I'm, I'm not going to worry about that now. So, uh, as creatures, we tend to have a particular perspective on things, and it's hard for us to adopt a different perspective because we want to just kind of be like God. And that's the ultimate sin that we're all... Yes, Roger? What's your definition of creature? Creature, we're made. You know, we, we don't have an existence in and of itself. We were made by somebody, and if you're made by somebody... that somebody had a reason to make you, and you can't help but be whatever he made you to be. Now, because we're twisted, because of sin, we try to fulfill what he made us to be in a wrong manner. But I would say we don't have any... There's no such thing as as a sinful uh, desire in the sense of trying to accomplish something that God made us to be. The sinful desire comes about that we try to fulfill it the wrong way. So, is sex a sinful desire? Is sexual passion? Well, no, it's not. God made that. That's one of the first things He did. Male and female, He made them. It's going about it the wrong way. It's not in our best interest. And ultimately, you could define sin, not sin, as uh, not sin is doing it God's way, and that's the way that's in our best interest, the, the, what the parent tells us to do. And the other is, I'm going to do this my way. I'm going, to get, I'm going to fulfill my desires my own way. And so I'm going to talk about self-interest today from three different perspectives. One is self-interest with, as, as it pertains to between us as, as, as creatures, fellow creatures, one to another. And the other, another one is uh, self-interest as between us and God. And then the third is self-interest with respect to the time horizon. The time horizon is one of the hard things about this, right? So you tell uh, a child, uh, you can have your snacks later, do this now. Does that usually like, oh, no problem. <laughs> yeah, that, that, there's this predisposition to want something now, right? So we'll talk about that. So let's first, let me just dwell on this self-interest thing. 
I'm going to I'm going to propose we cannot function any other way other than to pursue our own self-interest or what we perceive our self-interest to be. It's not possible for us to act any other way. God God is a little different cuz God can pursue his self-interest or not. Why 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 can I say God doesn't necessarily need to pursue his self-interest? Well, that's right, but in terms of like God doesn't have to, you can say God does pursue his self-interest, and you can pursue, you can say he doesn't. And I would say the, 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 reason, the reason why I think you can say that is because God doesn't need anything. God has no needs. He's self-contained, self-sufficient. And we're not that way. We're not self-contained and self-contested. We have needs. If you try to just stop doing anything, what's going to happen? I'm, I'm just not gonna. I'm just not gonna participate in life, huh? You're just gonna shrivel up and die, and it won't take that long, right? But God, you know, when when Abraham came to God, he says, "Well, who are you?" And he said, "I am." So God, God can initiate and do things, or not. It's just His choice. He, I think He made all this because He wanted to. And but said, so "Why would you want all this trouble?" He doesn't actually tell us, and He just, you know, I did it. I wanted to do it. But we will always pursue our self-interest. I hear people say, they're crazy. They don't know what they're doing. They're illogical. Well, no. No, that, that's... The, uh, there's some cases where people are actually out of touch with reality that, that have schizophrenia or something. But for the most part, people pursue what they perceive to be their, their uh, self-interest. And what you can say is their perspective is whacked. Because they, what they think is good for them is just really bad. Okay, So that's the way we are. Let's look at Romans chapter 2, verse uh, 5. Romans chapter 2, verse 5. And this we're going to kind of camp here for a little bit. And then we're going to go to one of my favorite parables and camp there for a while. And I just want to make the point here of the difference between self-interest and self-seeking. Self-interest, we will all pursue. We can do it in a positive way or a negative way. Self-seeking is always negative. Okay, so um, chapter 2, verse 5 of Romans, but in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, he's talking to unrighteous people here, you're treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of... wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each one according to his deeds. So we know there's a judgment based on kind of whether, whether you're a believer or non-believer. And then we know there's a, a judgment for deeds. Everything we're doing is written in books. And so there's, there's deeds judgment as well. And that applies to uh, the redeemed and the not redeemed both. I mean, wood, hay, and stubble versus gold, silver, precious stone for us. And he says things like, well, you know, it's going to be better for uh, Sodom and Gomorrah than for Capernaum because of what you saw. There's Deeds matter. Okay, so he's, and then verse 7 he says, uh, this is one side, eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good. So now we know that patient continuance in doing good does not take us to heaven. What does? Trusting in Christ gets us to go to heaven, right? So this is not talking about go to heaven. Well, we've got this idea that eternal life means go to heaven, and it doesn't. It includes that, okay? Because the free gift of eternal life is this gift that we're given when we believe, and that includes uh, uh, being part of God's family, and being part of God's family, we're with Him forever. 
But he, that's just a part of it. The gift of eternal life is just like the gift all you ladies that have had children gave to your kids when they were born. Now, how much did they have to do with that? Lisa, how much did, your, did uh, uh, Evan have to do with being born? Yeah, he's z- zero, right? He had absolutely nothing to do with it. It was just a gift. How much does Evan have to do with who he becomes? A lot, right? And that's it. So you have this gift. What are you going to do with it? And eternal life is this is this uh, zoe aeonios. It's it's the quality of life you have for the age that you live it in. That's the idea. So it's a gift and a reward. So here it's the reward. I'm going to give you the ability to live an um, expanded life. If you patiently continue to do good, you actually can see this with your own eyes and experience it in your own life. As you have, to the extent you have actually obeyed what the Bible tells you to do, what has your capacity for life done? Hasn't it expanded and you start realizing, God, all that stuff that used to bother me doesn't bother me so much anymore because I've changed my perspective? You've actually experienced this this thing. Well, there's, there's something more for the rest of the age to come that's connected to whether we patiently continue to do good here. There's a, there's a current reward, but then there's this who you become in the new earth that's even bigger. So one reward is eternal life for those who by patient continuance in doing good seek three things. Look what we seek. What are the three things? Verse 7. What do you seek? Glory, honor, and immortality. Now, we've been taught humility in the Christian church. And usually we associate these three words with bad things. And why do we usually associate with that bad things? Is it because it's bad to want glory? It can't be. It can't be or this verse wouldn't make any sense, right? They go along with pride. Okay. Does it always go along with pride? It can't. So why do we usually associate glory with a bad thing? Because we usually seek it the wrong way. Yeah. So sin is seeking things the wrong way. It's, it's not that seeking glory is bad. It's good. Look at it right there. It's seeking it from the wrong person the wrong way. And if you're by patiently continuing to do good, who are you going to get glory from? Mainly God. Sometimes... If you're Mother Teresa or something like that, after 50 years, people will say, wow, look what this lady did. Sometimes. You get from people. It does happen. It doesn't necessarily happen. But God is up there watching, and he, if we patiently continue to do good, He notices. And, he's, and the whole idea of well done, good and faithful servant, what is that? Hey, I, Seth, I want to... Stop right now. I want to go tell my dad what you did for me. Confess you before my father. What is that? It's glory. I mean, what, what could be better? If you, if you get an Olympic medal, you know, Ken, you could buy an Olympic medal on the internet right now, probably. A few thousand bucks, I bet. Jesse Some... Owens. Who's? Jesse Owens. Was it really? Yeah. Yeah, so you could have it. Would that make you the fastest human in the world? No. I'm so close right now. <laughs> the, you know, the whole thing about the Olympic medal is not the $80 trinket or whatever. It's the authority that's conveyed on you in front of everybody in the world. 
and and only the IO whatever it is international IOC only the IOC has the authority to give that well so only God has the authority to say well done only God has the authority to say that when he does it's like what else could be better glory honor honor is you know I want to take you and lift you up and what does the Bible say how do you get lifted up Humble yourself. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and He will exalt you when? In due time. So you see the three things there. Humble yourself in the... So when you humble yourself, it affects the way you interact with other people. And God says, I really like that. I'm going to lift you up my time. And we all say, don't like your time. We'd like it now. Right? Because we're children. Okay? So you get this one thing, eternal life to those who seek glory and honor. Oh, immortality. Immortality. Would you like to be in the, uh, in the uh, ENT Hall of Fame? What is that? <laughs> who wouldn't, right? Would you like to be in the Montana Tech Hall of Fame? Yeah, sure. You'd like, to, you'd like to be there. You probably are in the Montana Hall of Fame. Huh? Yes, Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, people will come and they'll say, I remember her. She's awesome. And then one generation later, they'll come and say, who's that? You know, I went to Cooperstown one time and I love baseball. And uh, I didn't even know who two-thirds of the people there were. They were out of my generation. But in God's economy, everyone will remember always. You'll never be forgotten. I'll make you a pillar in my temple. Have you been to these cathedrals where there's statues of people and stuff around? That's kind of the image I get. I'm I'm, I'm going to make sure no one ever forgets what you did for the people I ask you to serve. It's really spectacular. Now, look at the contrast, though. This is the main point I want to get to. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth. See, self-seeking means what? Does it mean seeking our our best interest? What does it mean? Yeah, seeking our own way and saying God's way is not sufficient for me. I'm going to obey me. Have you ever experienced that with your children when they said, I'd rather obey me than you? Anybody ever experienced that? Let me ask another way. Did anyone ever experience someone saying, you know, I really think you know best? Thank you. Thank you, Dad. I know you have my best interest at heart. I'm going to do that. It doesn't seem right to me right now, but I know you're wise and you have my best interest at heart. Anybody ever hear that? I'm thinking. Maybe after the fact. Maybe after the fact. I, I have actually had David say to me, I think you've grown a lot, Dad. You used to not understand a lot, but I think you've really come to understand a lot of stuff. He literally said something like that to me. I like it. <laughs> Thank you, David. I really appreciate you. <laughs> but those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness. I'm going to follow my own appetites. That's what really matters. Okay, then they get indignation and wrath. Okay, you see this self-interest thing. All right, now, capture that. That's not what the lesson's about. Let's go to Luke 16. 
that's the that's the foundation for the lesson, but that's not what what we're going to actually talk about. But we are going to talk. We're going to talk about the self-interest. But I mean, what I meant is that is what the lesson's about. But it's not the passage we're mainly going to focus on. Luke 16. It's this parable of the unrighteous steward, and this takes time to sink in, just because it's so different than what we uh, you know we, we're we're kind of taught not to pursue our self-interest when it's impossible not to not pursue your self-interest. You know, it's kind of kind of what we kind of grow up around, and and it's interesting because. I think when when people say you should not do anything that's for you. Now when if they if by that they mean you should not pursue your own be self-seeking, it's 100% accurate. But if by that they mean you should do something with no benefit to yourself ever uh, as the kind of the highest spiritual condition, what you really are saying is you we should be like God. It's, it's just another form of I'll exalt myself to the most high. Because it's, really it's really a claim, I'm not a creature, I have no needs. I'm, I'm self-sufficient. I can do for God, but I don't need Him to do for me. That's not, that's not a good perspective. Okay, And so, uh, I think we really need to understand this, this parable here and, and these... Uh, and these, uh, I, these concepts God give us. Okay, so 16, he said to his disciples, this is the parable, there was a certain rich man who had a steward, a manager, and an accusation was brought to him, this, the, the rich man, that this man was wasting his goods. How do, how do stewards always waste the goods? Yeah, yeah, they t- pinch too much for themselves. That's the way it always works, right? And so he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. So I like to think of it, I'm going to audit you, and if, you, if your uh, audit's found wanting, I'm going to fire you. It could also be saying, You're fired, I want you to go and, and uh, settle up the accounts so I can hand it over to somebody else. Uh, either way, the guy knows he's done for Then the steward said within himself, so now he's having a conversation with himself, which all of us do, what shall I do? Because what's he about to happen? What's happening? Losing his livelihood. You know, the interesting thing is that uh, he doesn't protest, so... It's obvious that he's guilty. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's guilty. Yeah, he's, he's, not, he's not even going to try to... No, no, not even going to try to get out of it. He's caught, red-handed. So this guy's a crook. Everybody, everybody agree with that? The guy's a crook? Okay, so you would think this parable is going to be, don't be a crook. And it's going to have a really amazing twist. Because that's not going to be the point of the parable. Uh, what shall I do for my master's taking the stewardship from wh- away from me? I cannot dig and I'm ashamed to beg. So he's, he's going through and saying, my livelihood's been this stewardship and now I need an alternative. And I think of two. And what are the two alternatives? Digging and begging. So manual labor is one. And the other is just become a pauper and beg. And what does he think of these two alternatives? He doesn't like them. So he's looking for a third al- uh, alternative. And he says... I, I got it. Bingo. I got it. I know what I'm going to do. I've resolved what to do, that when I'm put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into these, their houses. Okay, so I'm going to write this up on the board. They, 
may receive me into their houses. Okay, so we're gonna wonder. We got us. We understand who me is. It's the crooked steward, right? So, who in the world's they, and what houses are we talking about? Well, let's keep going. So he called every one of his masters debtors to him. So that what's the what bit one of the businesses the master has? Loans. Okay, he's got loans, and he says, um, "How much do you owe my master?" And he said, "A hundred measures of oil." See, a hundred barrels of oil would be ten thousand dollars. Okay, so uh, probably a lot more expensive back in those days, relatively speaking. So he said to him, "Take down your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said, take your bill and write 80. So who's they? The debtors. debtors. So he's doing something so the debtors will receive the steward into their houses. Now, what was he worried about? His livelihood. And what, what does a livelihood give you the ability to do? Pay the rent, buy the food, right? Live. So what's what's his living going to be now? Well, yeah. What, how's he going to have his li- living? What is it? He's going to be a professional house guest. Now, why why are these people going to invite him into their home? He yeah yeah he cut him a deal, and now they're obligated to him. Okay, uh, Mark, would you mind coming up here with me? Just, I just need to use you for an example real quick. Thank you for coming up here. You're welcome. All right. Now, what I want you to do is I'm going to do exactly what I just did. I want you to keep your hands on your pants. Would you, would you do that? Like that? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Do you feel uncomfortable? Yes. <laughs> so I'm sticking my hand. When you came up, I stuck my hand out and you shook it. Why did you shake it? An automatic response. <laughs> it's an automatic response, isn't it? And now I'm asking you to keep your hands on your pants, and I'm putting my hand out. And it's very uncomfortable, because you really want to grab my hand, don't you? Go ahead and grab my hand. It make you feel... Okay. Now, what, what was that about? Why, why did he automatically grab my hand? It's reciprocity. Okay. Have you ever gotten on an elevator, and everybody's somber, and somebody says, Have a nice day. What do you do? Oh, yeah, you too. Yeah, you have a nice day too. Have you ever gotten a Christmas card from somebody and you didn't know who it was from? Yeah, do you get this little panic thing of who is this? What am I supposed to do with them? And should I send them one? Get the magnifying <laughs> Look, reciprocity is just built into us. And in these Eastern cultures, it was a big deal. I mean, you could lose your head for not properly paying somebody back. So he knows that if he get, it cuts these people a big fat hog, and they, they're going to they're gonna owe him for the rest of his life. And they're going to take care of him. It's reciprocity. So you've got a crooked steward who's caught pilfering his goods, his master's goods. He gets caught, and then he goes and pilfers them further to feather his own nest. So what do you think the point of the parable is going to be? You would think it would be, don't be a crook, right? 
And so here's how Jesus ends the parable. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. That's the end of the parable. Isn't that crazy? How did the master know? Huh? Well, I imagine his, I imagine all the debtors are his, they're his debtors, and he's going to find. Hey, you owe me. I I got mine discounted fifty percent. Really? Who did that? Who did that? Well, your old old steward did. Really? I wonder if he did. Who did he do? Very shrewd on his part. While he just while he had this little time where he's still steward, he feathers his own nest with my money. Very shrewd. Got to give it to him. Got to give it to him. He really got me. You get it? And so Jesus' point here is about shrewdness. That's the point. Is that how you spell shrewd? What is it? R-E-W-D. Okay, yeah, that looks right. Okay. All right. So, he's yeah, he's shrewd. And that's the point he wants to make, is this shrewdness. And then he makes... And then he's talking... Who's he talking to in this parable? The disciples. And now, he's going to bring it home to the disciples. And here's what he's going to say. See, you guys don't get it. You don't understand shrewdness. Get some shrewdness. If you're a disciple right now, what are you thinking? <laughs> yeah, what? What's he talking about? You want me to pilfer? Whose who's money do you want me to pilfer? Who's the master in this? Who's the master? It's God. Okay, that's, that's going to play in here in a big way. Okay, so it's God. And he says, look, the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. The sons of this world get this principle of reciprocity. Anybody here in the sales business? Do, okay, what kind of reciprocity things do you do? You take donuts to people? Donuts in the morning, leave your business card? Now, why do you take donuts? You, you hate your people. You want to poison them. Harden their arteries so they all die because you hate your customers. You want to force them to yeah. <laughs> now, why do you take donuts? Build a relationship. Yeah, because I eat the donuts in the morning. And say, James gave me this donut. I really like James. It's re- it's reciprocity, right? You understand that. Take them to ball games and stuff like that. Take them hunting. Hey, quit it. <laughs> Golfing. <laughs> they automatically just donuts. Yeah. You guys have drug representatives come to your office? Are they always trying to give you stuff and get you? Yeah, they take you on trips, incentives. They don't do it anymore. Yeah, I mean, this is, what, this is the way the world goes round, you know? I'm in politics. I do a lot of political stuff. I see this in spades. It's unbelievable. You, you pay. I had a former senator one to me to say to me one time, "Our system of corruption is just so inefficient. It takes millions of dollars to get a few thousand dollars in a politician's pocket." I had a congressman one time tell me, he said, "This is the way it works up here. You, uh, you're a, a businessman. You want a ten million dollar contract, so you go and you pay a hundred thousand uh, dollar consulting fee and an eighty thousand dollar contribution to the uh, the committee chairman's slush fund." 
and uh, then you basically get a $10 million contract. It's an unbelievable rate of return. And the reason people buy into it is because then if somebody gets in trouble in their election, they call all the committee chairmen who have these big slush funds and they give them some money to win their election. So no one will vote against the system. It's shrewd. Okay? It sucks. It stinks. It's corrupt. But it's shrewd. It's really shrewd. And Jesus is saying, look, you see how this works in this generation? These guys are shrewd. And you should be too. You don't get it. See? You don't get it. So what should you do? I say to you, make friends for yourselves. Now, did this guy make some friends, this, uh, this crooked steward? He made some friends, didn't he? He did a lot better than buy donuts. What did he do? He went and said, if you'll buy my wireline service, I'll kick back half of it to you. Right? Now that happens too. I'll, uh, it does happen too. That's actually illegal. Yeah. 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 Yeah, this is how the world works, right? Uh, yeah, it's how the world works. Yeah, no ticket for that job. Yeah, yeah, no ticket. Yeah. So he, he says, okay, make for yourself friends. I want you to follow this principle. I want you to do it a different way. And using money, unrighteous mammon. Is there anything righteous or unrighteous about money? It's just money, right? Um, that when you fail... So when, does, when did this guy's stewardship fail? When he got caught and got fired, right? When does our stewardship of life fail? When we die. Okay, so we're stewards. We've got a master. Whose money is, do, you, do we have? It's all his. And we're gonna, our stewardship's going to fail. We're going to get fired. When are we going to get fired? When we die. Maybe get fired prematurely, right? That does happen. Maybe. It, it can happen. Some sleep. So, I say for yourself, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon that when you fail, when you get fired, they, who's they? The friends you made, the the guys that you did something for, may receive you into an everlasting home. Okay, so the crooked guy, what what was his goal? Where did he want to end up? In their houses. And how was he going to get there? Cutting them a deal. Whose money was he using? His master's. Was it shrewd? Was it crooked? Yes, it was crooked, but it was shrewd. Okay? And so God wants you to say, I don't want you to be crooked. I do want you to be shrewd. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to use my money, because everything you have is mine. And I want you to use it to cut people deals. And they're going to invite you into their houses. Now, what's the presumption here of who you're cutting the deals for? You want to go to houses in hell? It's everlasting homes. So we must be cutting deals for people that are bound for the new earth, right? Everlasting. Everlasting. Yeah, there's two kinds of everlasting, right? So, so we're talking about for our brothers and sisters in the Lord, 
let's do something for them. Now, what if they could pay you? You do something for somebody like uh, James comes and we give him business and back and forth. There's, there's nothing wrong with that, right? But if I can pay him back and he can pay me back, we sort of are having the reward now. So the, the inference here is you do something for people who can't pay you back now. How common is that? How, you know what? I don't get any drug salesman coming to me and saying, I'll give you a bunch of goodies if, if uh, you'll buy my drugs. You know, how come they don't call on me? I can't do them any good, right? I cannot do them any good. Why don't they just give me a trip anyway? I'd like to go on a trip. Yeah, but Halliburton shows up all... Well, not Halliburton. We're too little for that. <laughs> James shows up all the time, though. Well, I'm, 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 I'm glad for your concern. Because this is hard, isn't it? He's a crook. Okay. He's a crook. I'm making friends with unrighteous mammon. What is the point? I don't get the point. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay, right. So we have we're gonna have a house in heaven. Why would we want to go to someone else's house? Is that the question? Yeah, okay. You have a house now, a real beautiful one. Do you enjoy just sitting in your house all by yourself? Some days. Some days. Actually, yes. Yeah, this is not persuasive to you, is it? to be invited even though you don't go though don't you yeah okay <laughs> you know in the new earth you're not going to have to spend all day in a dark room tom that'll that'll be you can you can it'll be a <laughs> okay um there there's uh three or four showers this month two or three kind of parties and stuff you don't get invited to any of them what are you going to do Okay, why? Why would you pout? You have a beautiful house. You're in your own house. Because I want to go to that house. Why? Where the party is, where the people are. That's it. It's the relationships you're buying. That's it. What? That's it. See the we're gonna in the new. What are we gonna do in the new earth? But what about? Are we gonna sit around and with a with a little harp and drool? But what what does when you fail? How does that tie in? Oh, oh, okay. Well, so it's not going to... When you fail, it's when you die. Oh, that's what you were saying earlier. It's when you die. It's when you die. Yeah. Because when does our stewardship fail? When you, can you say, oh, I'm 65, my stewardship's over again. Now I'm just going to spend the rest of my life on myself. Is that, is that biblical? I'm going to save up all my money so that... When I get to a certain age, I can completely live the rest of my life in total indulgence. I didn't look at it. I think in the context, it really can't mean anything else. How can you get? To, how else could you go to an everlasting home? Yeah. Okay. So in the new earth, in the new earth, I think what this is telling us is one of the major industries is going to be hospitality. It is in this world. You notice that once we got. <laughs> Poor Tom. Yeah. I'm, I didn't think about Tom being in here. We're going to have to work. I'll be working in the kitchen. <laughs> what, 
is your favorite thing to do relationally with people, Tom? You, you don't like the big parties where there's all kinds of... Uh, in it. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm sure at these big houses there'll be some, uh, like a, a library where you can go and have some deep discussions with the fellow introverts. I, I'm, sh- I'm sure that'll be the case because, uh, hey, what, what do you like talking about? I mean, real deep, long conversations about what? All the stuff, politics. Yeah, okay, so let's just say you go and you have a little library and you go and say, I wonder what Napoleon was like. Well, let's just go back and, uh, and see it firsthand. How long is this party going to last? Oh, seven or eight weeks. Well, let's just take three weeks and go back and do Waterloo. You want to do that? And you, oh, look at that. There's the cannons. and That's, that's what I think. Now, who, I don't know. Okay, but all that stuff... I mean, the light waves for all that stuff are still going out someplace. I, I just think we're going to be able to go back and see it all. You'd like that, wouldn't you? Yeah, okay. All right, so, so when we fail... I want, so here's the point, uh, Leslie. I want you to use... I, I, God, I want you to use my money. All of your money's my money. I'm glad for you to pilfer it. If you'll pilfer it to benefit other my rest of my family. I remember the flip side of this in Deuteronomy 22, or 24 or 14. It says, Thou shalt not oppress a hired servant that is poor or needy of thy brethren or of the strangers that are in thy land. At his day you shall give him his hire and don't let the sun go down upon it for he is poor and setteth his heart upon it lest he cry unto me and it be sin against you. So these people who are our friends, maybe if we're not true with them, they can cry out to God and then we have... Okay, that's a good segue to the rest of this uh, parable here. Because look, let's just keep see how he keeps on going. And he says, uh, therefore, if you've not uh, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, because he's asking us to obey. He's actually saying, if you pilfer my money, you're actually doing what I want you to do. He's not asking us to be crooked. He's asking us to be faithful. And he says, I want you to pilfer my money for benefit, and you're going to get a huge benefit from it. He starts with our our personal benefit from giving what we perceive our money to be a way to benefit other people. This is not really ours; it's his. And if you'll do that, you're going to get this giant benefit of this massive outpouring of thankfulness in other people's homes once you get there. Okay? So, isn't this scary? We're supposed to be each other's reward. It's supposed to be working that way here, too. If you don't, if you don't view yourself as being a reward for someone else, rethink your life. So... And then he goes on and says, Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you the true riches? Okay, I gave you a few billion dollars or something. I mean, anybody can do that. The true riches, though, who would, who would entrust that to you? And you, know, you say, well, I don't have a few billion dollars. Well, everyone in here, relative to the rest of human history, you do. I, I read this really great uh, little insight. Uh, it came from Andy Stanley's new book, How to Be Rich. And uh, he talks about Bill Gates went to India to see poverty firsthand. And he left this poor woman's hut. And the person said to the poor woman, Do you realize that's one of the richest people in the world you're talking to there? And her answer was, All Westerners are rich. There's no difference. She's right. All of us have cell phones, cars, can drive on a, fly on an airplane, you know, information at our fingertips. To her, that you can't get any richer than that. Heat anytime you want it, punch a button. Cool anytime you want it, punch a button. 
Okay? So, if you, if you haven't been faithful in what's another man's, verse 12 here, who will give you what is your own? So I want, I, want, I want you to be shrewd. I'm going to teach you this shrewdness principle first. Now I want to teach you what shrewdness and faithfulness looks like together. Obedience to me. Okay. Yes, go ahead. Who's the other man? Who's saying the I would say so, yeah. But, but the principle is if I entrust something to you and you can't take care of it, then who... Why would I give you something to now own for yourself? And so, yeah, I think the principle is uh, he's speaking from God's perspective. You know, if you, if you wanted somebody to caretake a piece of property for you and they didn't take care of their own property, would you, would you hire that person? Yeah, that's the point. Okay. All right, so then he says, No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, else he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. So now we've gone from this... So we, we, I want you to be shrewd, but this unrighteous steward, what did he serve? Money. He served money. I want you to be shrewd, but I don't want you to serve money. Who do I want you to serve? I want you to serve God. And you've got to choose... You can't do both. How about that? This is pretty cool stuff, don't you think? You can't do both. you got to pick. So do it the way they do it. Don't have the motivation. That's it. Do it the way they do it to, to benefit yourself. I'm, I'm for you benefiting yourself. I want you to benefit yourself. I want you to benefit yourself immensely. But the time horizon and your, your view of what your benefit is, I want you to take my way. And you're just going to have to trust me. Yeah, it's the world's way. Me, 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 now, 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 my way, my way, my way, self-seeking. And what I want you to do is don't do that. You actually will be a slave to money. I don't want you to be a slave. I want you to be free. And the way to be free and get all these other amazing benefits is serve me and be shrewd. It's cool, huh? Okay, so next week we'll keep on going with this because he just keeps right on going. And he sets it up with, I'll set up next week's with this one. Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, also heard these things and derided him. So next he's going to talk to the Pharisees and he's going to talk to lovers of money. Now, in America, do we have any problem with lovers being lovers of money? Do we have, have, any, have any issues with this? Is this relevant to us at all? Uh, so tonight's the Super Bowl. Will there be any displays of materialism at the Super Bowl? Will there be anybody trying to get you to love money tonight at all? Or uh, Will there be any, just even intimation that perhaps if you owned a certain thing it would make you happy? Is that going to happen any tonight? Have this in mind as you watch all these yeah all these spectacles. Okay. So next week uh, we're going to see we're going to see uh, a, a companion parable which is Lazarus and the rich man.
interesting segue. <laughs> An interesting segue. Okay. God, thank you for this amazing story and the fact that we have this opportunity to send things ahead by investing in other people now. Uh, and, and including people who don't even know we're benefiting them because that all comes to light later. And I thank you that you're up there preparing mansions. You've been at it a really long time. If it only took you six days to do the world, who, who knows what this new earth is going to look like. I can't wait to see it. But I just pray that you'll give us the shrewdness to prepare that life uh, in the new earth such that our capacity for life... Our eternal life as a reward is as big as it can be. And that our connection with other people and our ability to interact with them is as big as it can be. Help us be shrewd, Lord, but not in a self-seeking way, but in a way that obeys the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm.